0: Which our message today comes from Matthew chapter one, verses eighteen through twenty-five. And so, if you have your pew Bible or your Bible in front of you, that's in the pew Bible on page eight hundred and thirty-five. I, I don't know where it is in your Bible, but uh, if it is there, I would go ahead and turn to it. Matthew's pretty easy to find. But that's where we're going to start this new series as we walk into the season of Advent, this season of expectation of long waiting a season where we are hoping in what is to come. That is the arrival of the Christ child. And so a lot of what we're going to be exploring during this Advent season is we're going to be looking at the many characters, whether it's a single person or a group of people, that are in the Nativity story. We're going to look at their lives and we're going to ask ourselves, what is happening in their life that might be a reflection of how we can respond in our own life? And so this morning as we begin this series, we're going to look at Joseph. We're going to look at Joseph's story and and try to establish and, and, and find out why is it that God chose Joseph To be the father of Jesus. And so we're going to be looking in Matthew 1, 18 through 25. You can follow along with me. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, as we come to you this morning, Lord, I pray that we would hear what it is that you are speaking to us. Lord, what it is that you want your spirit to reveal to our hearts as to the nature of this passage in Scripture today. God, as we look at the life of Joseph, at this little snippet, God, that we would be reminded that you have a plan for us too. That you are calling us to more. In your Son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, would you be glorified in the reading and hearing of this passage today. And may our hearts be evermore lit aflame with passion for our Lord and Savior. And for our Father who is in heaven. And for the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, Matthew, as a gospel writer, tends to really hone in on and focus in on what are these things that we should be doing? What it is that we should do as the people of God, especially because he was writing to a very Jewish audience. He was trying to convince them what it is that their actions entail, and what it also means to receive grace and mercy and forgiveness from the work of Christ on the cross. But I love how he begins this passage today. He says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. He makes it very clear that he's giving a little bit of a title to this passage that he's about to share with us. He's about to tell a short little story. And most of you, coming back maybe from some sort of Thanksgiving gathering with many people present, might have heard someone also start a story. Now, let me tell you about something that has happened. Let me tell you a story. I knew that when I was at my Thanksgiving dinner, I was prepared. When I heard now, I was about to get some long-winded explanation of something that had happened to someone in their life. But Matthew surprises us because he's telling a story that maybe we did not really expect to hear. In fact, it's a story that no other gospel writer is writing about. It's the story of Joseph's perspective, of Joseph's place in the nativity. Joseph is so often overlooked, seen as insignificant by most standards as any character in any kind of writing. And yet here he is, Joseph, a story about him, his place in what God was doing and what God was seeing in the incarnation of himself into all of humanity. But the truth is we're not really told much about Joseph. There's not much to be said or seen throughout all the scriptures. In fact, he only occurs, his name only occurs about five times throughout all the gospels. And yet as we look at our passage today, we see more, I think, of who Joseph is than if an entire book had been written about him. But here's what we are told in this passage that he was betrothed to Mary. And then at some point in his engagement to her, he learned of some news. That she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now whether or not we know that he knew that it was by the Holy Spirit, we don't know. I would venture to say no since the angel had to clarify That it was by the Holy Spirit to Joseph. All Joseph knew is that his soon to be wife was pregnant with somebody else's child that was not his. I can't imagine finding out such news. In fact, Ina, a couple weeks ago, shared from this same passage and spoke a little bit about that feeling that Joseph might have had, had he found out that that the woman that he loved, that the woman that he was to be married to, was pregnant by a child that was not his own. And yet somehow he had to find hope in the midst of that event. But I think that there's something even more significant in this passage. And it's the place that I really want to focus and hone into as to what kind of man Joseph is. We're told in this passage that Joseph was a just man. A just man. Just, that that word in Greek can also be translated as righteous. As one who upholds the law. And not just any law, but Jewish law. The law of God. Joseph was that kind of man. A righteous, just man who upheld the law of God. He was found among a very select group of people in Scripture. In fact, the Scripture only notes of ten People 10 in all of Scripture receive the title of just. Only 10 are called righteous. Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteous. But Abraham was never called a righteous man. The first time we see this in Scripture is actually in Genesis chapter 6. Verses 9 through 12, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. That's what it means to be righteous. One who could be considered blameless. There is nothing that anyone can hold against them by the standard of the law and say they broke it. Furthermore, to be a righteous man, you had to be one that walked with God, one that was intimate with God, one who knew God as he was, as one that maybe Adam and Eve might have known as they walked with him in the cool of the day. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, Noah walked with God. And when we read our passage, we could maybe say the same about Joseph. Joseph was a just man, blameless in his generation. Joseph walked with God. And then Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence and God saw the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. These are the times in which Noah lived. He was considered a righteous man. One among the entire world of corrupt hearts. Noah's was uncorrupted. He kept the, sin, the commandments. He did not sin. He upheld the letter of the law. It's the same law that Joseph would uphold. Right? To be a just man means that he had to uphold the law, right? And so what does it mean to be just? How can we look at Joseph in this story, this passage that we're talking about in the nativity and see a just Joseph? Because if Joseph was just, if he was one who upheld the commandments, then we might have seen something very different. Or we should see something very different. Because Deuteronomy 22, 23-24 tells us this. If there is a betrothed virgin and a man who meets her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both to the gate of that city and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry for help, though she was in the city. And the man, because he violated his neighbor's wife. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. That's harsh. But here we are. Joseph, a just man, a righteous man, one who upholds the law. And the law is here, plain as day. Mary was pregnant betrothed to Joseph, and yet that was not his child. What is to be done? Well, she should have been stoned. She should have been brought to the gate of the city, and she should have been shamed for her actions, and Joseph should have had this indignation about what had occurred with his spouse. But here's what Matthew tells us instead. He says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Because here's the thing that we need to understand about what it means to be just. It's to live out something far greater than every commandment written. It's to live out the greatest commandment. To live out, as the Jewish would say, the Shema. Which is found in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. A prayer that is constantly prayed. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That little part, you shall love the Lord with all your heart With all your soul and all your might. That sounds familiar, right? Because we've heard it before. Jesus, when asked what the greatest commandment was, he recited these words. Because when it comes to keeping the commandment, to being righteous and just, it's about understanding so much more than simply I have to keep the whole law and the prophets. It's because Joseph was one who walked with God. You see, the reality that needs to be considered is that Joseph was considered just. Not because he upheld the law to the letter of it, but because he fulfilled it through a greater commandment. In his love and devotion to God. And in the same way, in his love and devotion to God, he knew that he would have love and devotion to his neighbor, which included Mary. And so I could sum it up in two words. Joseph was just because he was filled with compassion and mercy. He was filled with compassion and mercy. Do people, do our neighbors, do those in our lives, those around us, complete strangers, first off, do they know you in what it is that you believe about Jesus? Do they know that you are a follower of Christ, that you go to church on Sundays, you attend Bible studies, you pray and you worship? Do they know that part of you? And if they know that part of you, then my second question is this. Do they know you as a follower of Christ because of, of what you are against? The things that you disagree with? The things that the law of God prohibits? Or do they know you? Because you were one who is filled with compassion and mercy toward others in your life. Do they see that you are just and righteous because you live out this commandment that loves God and loves neighbor as self? Do they know you more by your mercy and compassion than they know you by what it is that you are against and disagree with? You see, Joseph's heart would have told him, I am against and disagree with the fact that my fiancé, my wife, is having someone else's child. And yet, filled with compassion and mercy, he was unwilling to shame her. That is the kind of person that God is looking to follow him. One that is full of compassion and mercy. And that's not to say that we don't call sin, sin. Sin is sin. But God is calling us to a greater compassion and mercy than to throw back everything that somebody has done. I love the way Psalm 37, 21 says, The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. And you might think that's about money. And it could definitely have something to do with money. But what's interesting is that that phrase, generous and gives, the righteous is generous and gives, actually translates, has mercy. One that is gracious and kind. One that is compassionate one that's able to see the situation for what it is, and instead of dealing harshly, deals gently. We can either be belligerent about what it is that we believe, or we can be gentle with those that are opposed to it. And Matthew seems to have made this a theme of his gospel he cites the old testament passage in hosea 6:6 6, 6, twice once in matthew 9:13 and once in matthew 12:7 matthew 19, 13 9:13 13, 9, 13 says this go and learn what this means this is jesus speaking i desire mercy and not sacrifice i have came not to call the righteous but sinners And then Matthew 12, 7, Jesus said, And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. You know, what I think Jesus is getting at in these passages, and what we're seeing in the person of Joseph, is that mercy is the default. The heart of Joseph, the default heart of Joseph was to be merciful. And the default heart of Jesus towards sinners is mercy. He wants to be merciful toward every single one of us. Because the truth and reality is that every single one of us have sinned and fall short. None of us have lived up to the standard. Not one of us could be called like Joseph, which was just or righteous not one but the good news in that is that Jesus' default is mercy to extend that which is deserved or to not extend that which is deserved and so I would rather in my own heart and life because God is teaching me so much about compassion and mercy because it's not my default. I'm really kind of a harsh person. I do not deal gently with people that have wronged me. If you've sinned against me, be prepared to receive vengeance. And yet, and yet, God has been breaking down my heart over and over and over again in the last several months to show me what it means to be merciful and compassionate I would rather be able to point out someone's flaws and their sins in the ways in which they've done wrong Or yeah that's how I would be misreading my notes Right now, I'm the kind of person that would rather point out how somebody has wronged me instead of being able to slow down and consider how to have mercy and compassion towards them. But that's exactly what Christ is calling to us in this passage. To be those filled with hearts of compassion and mercy toward others that when they wrong us, that we slow down and consider. In fact, that is exactly what Joseph did. The passage continues in Matthew 1. 20 through 21, but as he considered these things, that is to say that the default for being merciful is being able to stop for a second and ask ourselves the questions, what's going on here? Let me consider all possibilities. And even if the worst possibility is true, let me still extend compassion and mercy. And so, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In order to be one that shows mercy and compassion, we have to be willing to slow down. We have to slow down and consider and even when you consider that what that person did was wrong and hurtful and sinful, the response for us is to not berate them with it, not to shame them with it, but to draw them out into a place of mercy, to overlook their sin for a time. Doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge it but it means that we don't give them what they deserve because of it. I really want to become the person that someone is surprised about when they know the depth of the wrong that they did, but they receive an equal amount of mercy in return. I want to be the kind of person, and you should aspire to be the kind of person, that when someone wrongs you, when someone hurts you, when someone comes against you, that they should be surprised in how you react. They should be surprised at, in how you respond to the things that they have done against you. That's what it means to be merciful and to have compassion, that you would bring surprise to their eyes. I wanna be that kind of person. I wanna be, I want that to be my default. I wanna be able to consider all things because. Of Jesus within me because of the Holy Spirit. And I find this really interesting what this passage does, what Matthew does. He creates a juxtaposition. He talks about Joseph, the just man, Joseph, the righteous one, the one who upheld the law. But Joseph is the father to who? To Jesus. To Jesus. But who did Jesus come for? He didn't come for men like Joseph. He came for the sinful man. And she will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. I believe Matthew did this incredibly intentionally. To talk about his father Joseph to be a just man, and yet Jesus didn't come for the just as everyone thought. He came for the sinner. Earlier, I quoted Matthew nine thirteen, where Jesus says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. But the larger context of that passage says this, And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were, were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. the greatest news that any one of us could ever receive is that our names are not recorded as being just. But that Jesus came in his mercy to, be, to save us from our sinfulness and that he would impute to us his righteousness. A righteousness that we could not obtain for ourselves. That is the good news of of Advent, the hope that we are longing for, that as we see this passage today, as we come to understand what it means to be full of mercy and compassion, we have to first receive mercy and compassion for ourselves. We will never extend it until we know it. And we will know it when we know that Jesus, in his goodness, in his mercy, in his compassion, came into the world that we would be forgiven of our sins and given his righteousness. I love how this passage ends today, and I'll end with this. Matthew 1.25 says, And he called his name Jesus, Joseph, Joseph. Called his name Jesus. Here's what's so great about that Joseph adopted Jesus as his own. In the midst of everything that happened, in his mercy and compassion. In hearing from the angel of the Lord, Joseph accepts Jesus as his own son. Joseph's story is a story of adoption. And our story is also a story of adoption. Galatians 4, 4-7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born is that we too have been adopted as the sons of God. Let this season reflect upon us, not just on that truth, but reflect that truth through our own acts of mercy and compassion. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you for the goodness of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the work that he accomplished On the cross, but we come in the celebration of this season and we recognize that Joseph was a just man, not because he upheld the law to the letter, but in the spirit of the law. That he loved Mary because he loved God, and therefore he extended mercy and compassion. Let us, Lord, become agents of mercy and compassion to those around us.